Welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and I'm guaranteeing you this podcast will never get a game over. <laughs> and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I'm ready, man. Check it out. I am the ultimate podcasting badass. And today we're breaking down James Cameron's sequel, Aliens. Dean, how are you, mate? Good to see you again. Hey, good, mate. How yeah. are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm well. Nothing special the last uh, week. Good. Chit-chats aren't that good at the moment. Uh, very uneventful. Yeah. <laughs> it is starting to get a little hot these days, heading into summer again. Yeah. Poured with rain all weekend, but yeah, sure. Hot rain. Hot rain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure you weren't just in the shower, Hendo? <laughs> I think I must have been thinking of early last week. There was definitely a couple of days there where it was roasting a bit. All right. Enough of that. What are we doing today, Hendo? Well, today, after our breakdown of Aliens, we're going to take a look at some reviews that you, the listeners, have left for us. We'll take a look at some of the answers to our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite superior sequel? Ooh, superior sequel. Yeah. Nice. I couldn't be bothered saying the entire long question. So, superior sequel makes sense. It does. Which will bring us to our top five, as usual. We'll then take a look at the results of our Pod v Pod 29 draft results between us and Chris and Marty from the Rough House podcast. And then we'll move into our next set of matches in our best 2000s film tournament. And then after all that... We're going to find out what film we're watching next time, which is a patron-requested breakdown, courtesy of our good, good patron, Brother Shane. Oh, I was getting ready to finally give my choice. <laughs> nah, put on the back burner once again. Oh, okay. Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's the update on the IMDb Top 250 list? How's Joker going holding strong? Actually, before you get into that, I did read today that Joker's like surpassed... 934 million at the box office and will definitely get past the billion dollar mark incredible bravo to joker it's seriously it's really really impressive it has dropped two spots on the list down to 15 and inception and empire strikes back has moved up still 15 that's so high what about parasite is that is that 14 yet parasite has gone up six more spots to 53 it's slowed down i should have taken that bet I still think it's going to be. I still think it's going to be higher than it in by the end of the year. By the end of the year, Ooh. how are you thinking about this now? The week that Joker drops and Parasite moves up six more spots, you want to? You're considering the bet now? Yeah, but I think last time we checked, it dropped a couple spots, and no. Parasite moved up like fifteen or something. No, Joker didn't move, and Parasite went up seven spots. You're like, nah, 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 that's not happening. <laughs> But aside from that, The Red Shoes has dropped four spots to 202. White Heat has gone down from 219 to 222. Looking on the positive side of the spectrum here, Prisoners is up from 202 to 200. Raging Bull moves up two spots to 141. And The Truman Show moves up to 179. And that's pretty much your list for the top 250 this week. Very good. All right, before we get into our breakdown of Aliens, just a quick note to say we will be spoiling the film from the get-go. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, you've been warned. Now, with that being said, let's get into Aliens. They cut the power. How could they cut the power, man? They're animals. There's movement all over the place. Five meters, man. Four. So, Aliens is a 1986 American science fiction action film starring Sigourney Weaver, Carrie Henn, Michael Bean, Paul Reiser, Lance Henriksen, and Bill Paxton, with music by James Horner, seven-time Academy nominee, James Horner. Never won. Won twice. Same year. What? Yes. 
He won for Best Original Score for Titanic and Best Original Song for My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. Wow. Yeah. He also did the score for such films as Braveheart, Apollo 13, Avatar, and A Beautiful Mind. Hmm. Yeah. So, he knows his, he knows his scores. Bravo, James Horner. Cinematography by Adrian Biddle, who got nominated for an Oscar for Thelma and Louise. Haven't seen it. He also did V for Vendetta. Oh, that's very good. Oh, that perked you up. Well, V for Vendetta. Very good film. Top 250. Deservedly so, Hendo. Interestingly, the original director of photography on this film was the guy who did Sorcerer, Dick Bush. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that would get you. (laughs) I wasn't prepared for that level of humour from you, Hendo. Uh, Yes, Dick Bush. Uh, Okay, why didn't he do it? Clashed with James Cameron now. Ah. Yeah. He, he wanted to make the most of the shots uh, very lit up so you could see the, the detail of all the sets. But Jane Ca- James Cameron was like, no, no, this is a dark film. We need to have it looking very grim. So they had a big fight over it and Cameron fired him and pretty much the entire crew walked off set. Yes, I did hear about this. And eventually it was his future, one of his future wives, uh, the producer, shit, don't know her name. But she actually convinced the rest of the crew to come back. Just on that, there was an- another actor originally cast as Hicks, James Reamer. Do you know who that is? No. Really don't know who James Reamer is. Sure. You would know him if you saw a picture of him. Okay. Who is it? What's he in? He, I believe he's Dexter's dad. Oh, yeah. I know yeah, him. Yeah, see? Immediately, you know. Of course I know him. Yeah. Oh, that's no good then. Yeah, no. He, um, he actually had scenes filmed and everything, but clashed with Cameron Apparently, he shot a gun on set. What? I didn't hear that. I heard he was uh, he had drugs on him. Yeah. Arguments with Cameron, possible substance abuse, and accidentally fired a gun on set. It was a prop gun that wasn't meant to have any real ammo, but still, he blew a hole through something. Unlucky. Mm. But he was kicked off the set, and Michael Bean took over the role. But written and directed by James Cameron. Now, this was in the midst of The Terminator. Yes, I actually heard that people weren't maybe respecting him as no. much. And he showed them a copy of Terminator, which hadn't been released. But unfortunately, most people didn't even bother to show up to his screening. So that didn't have the desired effect. But no, like kudos to, you know, the studio for, you know, getting on board with James Cameron. This is a big movie. Well, he actually had written a fair portion of the screenplay, but had to opt out in the end to go do the Terminator. But the producers were so in love with this script that he'd half done, that they kept it on the back burner and waited for him to finish the Terminator, giving him the option that if the Terminator was a success, he would direct as well. Obviously, Terminator, big success, you know, awesome film. So, yeah, he took on director as well as writer. Not bad for a young 31-year-old James Cameron. Even Sigourney Weaver, it took this script by James Cameron for her to get back on board. She was not going to come back into this film as Ripley. She was done with it. Yeah, but it was the element of Newt and the mother-daughter relationship that Ripley enjoyed and yeah, agreed to come back, which was great. Do you know what Ripley asked to get paid for this film? No. $1 million. Do you know what she got paid for Alien? Fifty grand and a lunch. 30000 <laughs> No lunch? <laughs> no lunch. But the studio were obviously not keen to give her a million dollars, but James Cameron went into bat for her. He's like, nah, she's the heart and soul of this film. Mm. If she's not in this film, there's no film. So, no, nah, well done, James Cameron. Yeah, she's gone on to become one of the most iconic action female superstars out there. Mm. The film was never actually shown to test audiences because the editing and the scoring wasn't finished until a week before it was actually released. But it certainly worked out for him. We've had a couple of those movies. That we've late, talked about, the yeah, the, yeah, the very late ones, and, yeah. things where it's like even 
where they're saying, oh, we haven't got a script ready. Like we're shooting and we're writing the movie oh, as we're going along. A few, a few yeah. of them with scripts being written on set. But this was released on the 14th of July in 1986 with a runtime of 137 minutes, 154 minutes for the special edition, which is what we both watched. Yes. Do you know what scenes? Yeah. Yeah. You looked up what they were. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. We might mention a few of them as we uh, come to them. Yeah. See if they're worthy of uh, watching the film with the minute. Mm. Now, we, we I think we mentioned when we did Alien about the tagline. In space, no one can hear you scream. And how it's one of the you know amazing, greatest taglines out can there. Can I have a guess of what this tagline is? Okay, do you know it? No. Is it, in space, no one can hear you screams? It's actually... It's actually <laughs> oh, come on, nothing? <laughs> in spaces, no one's, can's, hears, you oh, screams. terrible, Hendo. Terrible. It's probably on par with this tagline. The super generic, this time, it's war. This time. It's personal. Yes. Come on. Could have been a little bit better than this time it's war. This time, there are two of them. (laughs) But with a budget of $18.5 million, it grossed $85 million in America and worldwide $131 million. I heard that this movie actually saved Fox Studios. Pretty much. Yeah. So well done to Aliens there. But this was nominated for seven Oscars that year. It was nominated for Best Original Score, Best Editing, Best Sound, Best Art Direction slash Set Decoration, and Best Actress in a Leading Role for Sigourney Weaver. She was actually the first ever nomination for Best Actress in a Action Film. Hardly a surprise. But it did win Best Visual Effects and Best Sound Editing. I must say, the visual effects in this film, they still hold up today. Oh, yeah. They are amazing. Big time time hold up. Yeah. Some of the shots in this film are ridiculous. Completely agree. I saw that Carrie Henn, who plays Newt, had no previous acting experience before she did this and never acted again. She's now a teacher. Well, there you go. I mean, this is a huge child role. No, nah, wasn't for her. Pretty much like uh, Danny from The Shining last week. Sure. Yeah. Also, I saw that her on-screen brother is her real-life brother. I see. There's a scene that's just in the director's cut. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. About the scene or the fact that it's just in the director's cut? Well, both. Should it be in the movie? I'm sure we'll get to that. Okay. But let's take a look at the history of Aliens in the IMDb Top 250 list. This is one of those films that was in the first one ever and has never left. Debuted into the list at number 34. Wow. It must have dropped a fair way then. Depends what you mean by fair way. This well, is Alien definitely... is higher than it, isn't it? Or am I making that up? Yeah, Alien is at 54 and this has basically stayed in Top 100 the entire lifespan of the Top 250 and it currently sits at number 73 with an average of 8.3 over 613,000 ratings. So they're both up there, pretty high. All right, Dean, since this was supposed to be your pick, I'll let you do the plot summary here. Alan Ripley is rescued by a deep salvage team after being in hypersleep for 57 years. The moon that the Nostromo visited had been colonised, but contact is lost. This time, colonial marines have impressive firepower, but will that be enough? That's a rough plot summary. (laughs) Terrible plot summary. (laughs) Now, obviously, the top 250 has Alien above Aliens in their list, but I'm curious to see if you like this film more than Alien. Let's get into it, mate. So we start off immediately after the first one. We're Ripley on the pod, hurtling through space. Asleep. Yes. Hypersleep, apparently. What's the difference? It's called hypersleep. Maybe because Doesn't hyper mean like sped up. Yeah, maybe because she's asleep and she's like what? Been like 50, she's really asleep. Fifty-seven years, but it doesn't feel like that to her. It's been so quick. I guess. Like hyperspace. But no, she gets taken over by another spaceship. Very Star Wars. 
I the little thought, scanner that comes through with the blue laser scanning across, well, that looked great in particular with the the smoke going over it. Mm. It looked very blue. This film, like oh, lots of blue, yeah, super blue. I had to watch this for my media class when I was in high school. This was the film I had to do, and my high school teacher just frothed over how blue this film was. That's all he used to talk about. The blue, it's you know very symbolic with the alien, and it's all you know cool. And I'm like, all right, mate, calm down. <laughs> And now look where you are. That's right. <laughs> I am copying exactly what he said. But Ripley gets rescued here and she comes into contact with Burke. Hold on. Before we get to that. Oh, okay. Did you think that the guys who come in after the blue laser reminded you of anyone? No. They didn't remind you of Marty dressing up as a spaceman in no. Back to the Future? No, it didn't. The big yellow space suit? I was like, oh my God. Well, this came out a year after. Mm. But this would have been filmed probably on its release. Hmm. I don't think that's probably what it is. the same suit. Well, I did read that this was uh, filmed on the same set, like back-to-back sets of Full Metal Jacket, and the crews of those two films would get together during like downtime. I also read that the set they used for the alien nest they reused in Batman. Yeah. For the chemical plant. Can you see it? I can see both in my head. Yeah. That's enough. I yeah. can't see the Batman one. Jack Napier. <laughs> yeah. Joker. He falls in. <laughs> But yeah, we get our villain, I guess, of the film, the human villain, Burke. Yes. Paul Reiser. Did you ever watch Mad About You? Uh, I think my mum watched it and I probably saw a few episodes. Yeah. I only remember it because Lisa Kudrow's in it as Ursula and they did that tie-in where she's Phoebe's sister. Yep. Because I'm a big Friends fan. Okay, I know. <laughs> Who's your favourite friend? Uh, I mean, it depends on, like, where you're looking at through the seasons. All right, stop. Yeah. You've just embarrassed yourself already. Probably Chandler overall. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not correct. <laughs> what's did- that from? Oh, what's that from? All right. Who's your favorite friend? Uh, I don't know. Russ. Ooh, I'm sorry. That's not correct. <laughs> I don't know. What is that? Orange County. Did you ever oh, see that? Oh, God. I'm never going to remember that. I saw that That's once and hated movie. it. I hated Orange County. Seriously? Terrible. <laughs> Jack oh. Black at his most annoying. Brad Pitt, who's married to... Jennifer Aniston, who is in Friends. Please stop. <laughs> Mike White is the teacher. Yeah, but she finds out that it's been 57 years. Yeah, and we get this stupid dream sequence. Did you like it? I didn't like how it was edited together. Like, there's no real cut between. Yeah. You don't know what yeah. when the dream starts. Yeah, so when, when she, she wakes, wakes up, up, I'm like, okay, just so was the 57 years Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had a little issue with that. I agree. Yeah, I wish there was- some little other piece there, like a little cut to when she's just laying there by herself, like a little while later. Is it maybe done for a bit of shock value? Because there is, this is going to be a slow start to the film. Maybe they need some sort of semi-action bit and having a dream where she has an, a, you know, her chest burst open. No, because I feel like this is her overall fear from what she's been through. This is the one thing she doesn't want to have happen to her. Showing it here really sets up why, why she does not want to go back and deal with these aliens again. Hmm. I did like this scene here, and I know this is one that was cut from the theatrical release, mm-hmm. I guess, where Ripley and Burke are talking about uh, Ripley's daughter. I really like this scene too. Yeah, it's a good scene. Especially how it sets up her, I guess, arc throughout this story with Newt. Yeah, it does lend a lot of credence to that. That but- was actually uh, Sigourney-, Sigourney Weaver's mother, that picture. Yeah, 
Hmm. Nice. But uh, that moment when he's just like, oh, Amy died at 66 two years ago. It's like, oh, oh rough. Yeah. She didn't have any children, which is good that he says it because it does set up that she has no one to go back for. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if she had a responsibility to go back to family, it'd be a less likable move for her to go along. Back but to I wouldn't planet. put it past Burke to just say that, to convince her to come with him later. Because this guy is a slimy piece of shit, but- He's so subtle about it at the start. You don't really, never really, you don't really find out his, you know, actual intentions until later on in the film. So here, he just seems like this cool guy, nice, nice guy. He's, you know, I'm just, I'm just working for the company. I'm not like them. I'm mm. just, I'm just here. We had this meeting here. It's pretty boring. I found this. I found this. I can see why slow. this got cut. I can see why this scene was not in the original. Was this whole thing not in the original? No. Are you sure? There's extra bits in this scene that have been added in. Yeah, I just didn't understand why no one would believe it. Like, what reason does Ripley have to lie here? Exactly. Like, you got all these bloody pen pushers sitting here giving out orders. Were any of these pricks alive when this happened? If it was 57 years ago when it happened, mm. like, well, bloody kids. And the way they're talking about, oh, you, you know, ruined an expensive piece of our Give me equipment. a break, mate. It was like, as you say, that equipment was written off decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> You can't be annoyed that that equipment has not come back to you. So now we cut to the planet where all the colonizers, I guess, are there. The planet from the first movie where they find the eggs. Yeah, and we get our first scene with Newt and her family and basically sets up, you know, that these aliens are starting to take control of this little planet here. Which is another of the added scenes. Yeah. Yeah, this was take it or leave it. Did we need to see Newt beforehand? No, I, I didn't. I didn't like this. I liked the ambiguity of what they're walking into. They have no idea. And hearing that they are, oh, we've lost contact with the colony. We're not sure what's going on. Can you take the Marines down and, and see what's going on? It's good though, because it shows that Burke has sent people to the actual ship, which is what sparks the aliens coming. Because when Ripley comes out, it's not like the aliens have taken over. Reason the reason that that planet's fucked now is because Ripley said, "Oh, I went to you know these coordinates basically." So Burke sends a team out there, which sparks a facehugger to get implanted. And yeah, all but that he sort mentions that he goes, "We sent a colony down to the that planet a couple of years ago, and now we've lost contact with them." Oh, I didn't realize that was a couple of years ago. I thought this was all real time. Well, that they just arrived. Because they've been, you get there and they've been experimenting on these aliens. They're, they're like in tubes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've been there for a little bit. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so I didn't overall like this scene. I wish there was- So then the timing is very convenient. What, that they picked up Ripley? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I kind of preferred thinking the other way where her coming back and saying, oh, this planet has issues. All right, we'll go check it out. And that's what sparks it. Maybe they got the the, the signal from Ripley about- what had happened. Hold on. But because it's in hyper. No, no, it is real because Newt has not been alone for years and years and years. She's like the same age. Oh, you're talking about when the when they hear that there's something wrong on the planet. Yeah, they send people to the place where the ship was. And then Newt's parents go and have a look at the eggs. Look, either way, the aliens are taking over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess this is why I don't really think this scene's necessary because it has sparked this little bit of confusion here. If it kept it where you need to go and back to this planet because we had people there, something's happened, and that's when you meet Newt, when you see her for the first time hiding in the, the vents. Hmm. I don't think we need this scene here. I did like the transition, though, between Newt screaming, which then turned into the howling wind. It was good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, but this is where Burke asked Ripley to go back with the Marines, and she she's pretty aggressive towards him, and you can see he's kind of a little freaked out by her... 
aggressive nature, I guess. He's a weird unit, though. He's like, yeah, I read your psych evaluation. <laughs> like, uh, should you? No privacy? But she wakes up sweating here and immediately calls Burke and agrees to go. Like, it's a strong decision. It's a mm. it's a decision from a strong, determined character. I get that. Not sure I buy the motivation, though. She's gone through hell. Like, yes, she has some post-traumatic stress from it. That's hardly an excuse to just go back, is it? She doesn't want the same thing happening to everyone else. As she agrees, to, she says to Burke, as long as you agree that we're going to destroy these aliens. She's going with a, a team of Marines now. Back when in the first alien, she was just with a regular crew of Non-Marines. Yeah, who didn't know what they were doing. Now they're going in hard and she needs to be there to give them the info. She's the only one that's seen these things. Mm. And what she got left on Earth, like you said, her daughter's passed. There's no one there for her. This seems like the right thing to do. And they immediately cut to the spaceship, hypersleep. Quiet spaceship. Mm. They do this long, slow look through the ship. Very reminiscent of the shot in Alien 1. It was actually at this point where the budget was starting to dry up here, so they didn't end up having enough money to get the 12 pods that they needed for this scene. So Sneaky Cameron here did a little bit of mirror work, and they end up using four pods here to convey 12 pods. Hmm. But no, we meet the Marines here, our team of... Marines. Marines, sure. Great team. Love the team. Love the team. Love Bill, the setup. Bill Paxson, easy standout. Yep, he, he's got he's all the funny. he's got all the good one liners. He really does have all the good one liners. I didn't realize who Vasquez was. What do you, you mean? Who the actress was? Do you remember she, her for anything? Yeah, Titanic. No, I was going to say she's John Connor's mum in Terminator Two. She's also the the mother to the poor child in Titanic. She talks like this. Ah, they're just letting their first classes go on. We'll go on the boat after them, little Timmy. <laughs> That wasn't bad. <laughs> That's what it's like. She looks nothing like her. No, it doesn't. Good actress then. Bishop, the android. Lance Henriksen. What do you know him from besides aliens? I don't know. You tell me. I remember him from Hard Target. I haven't seen it. Oh, Jean-Claude Van, Jean-Claude Van Damme action film. John Woo film. I, mean, I used to watch that a lot when I was younger. It was awesome. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I'm a big Van Damme fan back in the day. Were you? I was only a big Time Cop fan. I was a hard target fan. I love watching The Quest as well. Maximum Risk, Nowhere to Run. I haven't seen any of them. They're all great. <laughs> Mind you, I wouldn't want to go back and watch any now. Yeah. Although I would love to go back and watch Time Cop, though. Doesn't he do the splits on the bench? Of course. Oh, God. As if you wouldn't. <laughs> Who else we got? Michael Bain. Bean. Bain. Don't start this. Michael Bean. It's Michael Bain uh, from Terminator. And he's very low-key in this. Well, he's got so many other brooding actors, I guess, taking up a large chunk of it. You've got to wait for some of them to get dispatched for him to sort of take on a more prominent role. Even then, he's still pretty low-key. Yeah, that's fine to have that. Yeah. Not everyone needs to be outlandish. Good, yeah. good line from Vasquez here. Hey, Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? <laughs> in fact, this movie wasn't shot in sequence, like most films aren't. But for added realism, James Cameron filmed this scene last because he wanted to have the camaraderie of the Marines really come through on the screen at this point. Absolutely makes sense. Yes. Because they can't act like they have chemistry. Because it's not like, you know, it's their job or anything. Well, why are you going to be a dick? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, do your job, guys. It is a good scene, though. <laughs> the guy who plays Apone, Al Matthews, he was actually... He's in, good. I liked yeah. him in this. In real life, he was the first black Marine to be promoted to the rank of sergeant in the field during his service in Vietnam. So, he's got the, the background. Yeah, I bet him and Ali Ermi would have had some good discussions oh, yeah. when they were having their lunch. 
But we get the mission debrief here from our Lieutenant Gorman here, and he has no respect whatsoever from his crew here. No, and I never really... I didn't realise why at this point. You do find out, though. Yeah. But the, when he mentions it's his second go-around on a real mission, they all seem shocked. They're all like, oh, you're joking. So yeah. they, don't, they, don't, they don't know this. Well, obviously, he's just the boss that's been put in there, and they're well, all well, they a team do, together. Oh, they mentioned in the, in the scene prior, because we skipped a little bit ahead here, when they're eating their... Their meals. They mention to each other, "Oh, look, you got the lieutenant over there with the with the mm. higher ups, not uh, you know, not interacting yeah, with us." Grunts. He's not one of them, and that's why they don't respect him. No. But we mentioned Bishop. What do you think of the whole scene with the the knife in the hand? Yeah, apparently, I don't know. Like I read that Bill Paxson didn't know that he was going to be a part of that, but it can't be real, can it? Maybe it was real. It doesn't look real. It looks like it's sped up. Oh, that bit looks like it's sped up. <laughs> maybe the one. Maybe the bit at the start was real. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, it was alright. Nice little a little bit of character right there. I liked more the interaction between Ripley and Bishop where she's just does not trust the android yeah, at she's all. She's got the Ash of, vibes. Because of Ian Holm from the first one, which makes sense. Yep. Right? He screwed them over, but little does she realise that that role is going to be taken by Burke this movie. But it also puts the, the seed of doubt in our minds as well. You bring this back up and it's like, oh, you can't trust this android. And I feel like someone has said that the androids in all the Alien movies like are bad. I kept waiting for Bishop to turn bad. See, I remember that he Never got happened. split in half by an alien, so I wasn't 100% sure if he ended up turning bad. I was still, I was the same as you. Like, I didn't remember that portion of the film, so I was I was kind of waiting for it too. Yeah. But we get Ripley in the D-loader here. She's basically proving to the men that she's worth it. She can hold her own here. And again, you know, there's a little bit of a Chekhov's D-loader here, don't you reckon? Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much shoehorned in that Ripley knows how to use the D-loader very well. But it's not just used for that. Like, it does show her use to the Marines. Yeah. Like, they give her some respect here now. Well, because she wasn't doing much before. And, like, when she got up to tell them, you know, the plot of Alien 1, they didn't really really care. And I was like, well, they sort of- Can you just show us the video? They need to know this stuff, and they sort of get around it by saying, oh, it's all in the brief. Read the brief. Even Vasquez is like, you just tell me where to point and I'll shoot him. She doesn't care. Is that D-Loader all practical? Yeah. Looks good. Does, doesn't it? It does look good. James Cameron and his practical effects. I mean, there's clearly a stark contrast between this and the first film. Like In this one, these guys know about these aliens. They are coming at them with full force. While, you know, obviously the first film was this claustrophobic horror film. This is... Yeah, they're completely different genres. Exactly. Like, this is not under any sort of horror genre. No. Mind you, like, it is still scary at certain points. There is that... that Couple of jump scares. Yeah, and there is that over lying theme of tension throughout this whole film, but I don't see this as a horror film. No, it's not. But they head down to the planet, and they drop down their little car as well. This was actually a modified tow truck that the British Airways used to tow uh, passengers across to each uh, aeroplane. Hmm, nice. There's... I'll, I'll, I'll spoil a little bit here. There's not too many faults for me with this film. The one that really irks me a bit here is they're up on the spaceship and then they drop down their smaller spaceship to go down to the planet why does burke and ripley need to go down to the actual planet if the marines are just there to take out the aliens why do they need to go down i feel like ripley is important no obviously she is important but in terms of a realistic setting why does the consultant need to be down on the planet if she's going to be in a you know if she's going to be far away from the action dictating watching the camera she can use a loader thing. She's a badass. They didn't take what? They didn't take the loaders down there. <gasps> uh, I don't know. I think 
I think I can understand Ripley going down. Burke, I would just argue that he would have just pushed to be one going down so he can try and get some specimen. That's why I, I think Burke has more of a, a reason to go down than Ripley does. Mm. That just always bugged me a bit. Really? That's I mean, that, such a stupid thing to be bugged by. It doesn't make any sense for them to be going down there. If they're going down there, if the Marines are going down there to kill the aliens, why do they need to be down there? Because They can Rip- control the action from up top. No, they can't. You've got to be on point, ground floor level, Hendo. Yeah, that worked out well for them. Worked out well for Ripley. Maybe it would have worked out a lot better if they were up on the ship and no scored, aliens would have come down. Scored a new daughter. It does get frustrating. I can see Ripley's frustration when she's trying to tell them, like, with Gorman, how they see the, the eroded holes in the roof and the floor, and mm. she knows it's all the, obviously the, the That's alien That's why acid. she's there. She could... What are you talking about? She It's the same situation if she was up in the spaceship watching on the camera. No, you might not have picked it up. You might just go, oh, yeah, there's a hole. But- uh, okay, I disagree. Man, you really want to hate this film, don't you, Endo? We'll get to our rating at the end, won't we? No, but she's super frustrated with Gorman and how he's he's not listening to her. Like, she's a consultant. She knows what this is all about. He's like, yeah, secure. The, the air is secure. It's all good. She's like, no, oh, no, it's not. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. I'm talking. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is a funny line, again, from Hudson here. He's coming in. I feel safer already. Yeah, but they all head in. We see all the alien specimens in the tubes. A little jump scare here with that one. Did you see that one coming? No, but it didn't make me jump. Did Fair it enough. Make, did That's, it make you jump? No, didn't make oh. me jump. It's kind of kind of new for you that it didn't make you jump. I'm not overly jumpy, am I? Yes. Yeah, I probably am. But no, we're introduced to Newt. Yeah, her second introduction here. Well, they're introduced to Newt. Kind of wish it was her first. Yeah. But uh, Ripley follows her down to this little hole that she's living in. Staying away from the aliens. Do you buy that she could survive? How long is she surviving? Where is she getting water, food? She's got all the supplies down there. Toilet? As long as she can just stay in this hole, get smelly. She's in a vent. Maybe she goes into the one where the fan blows out. What was her end game here? Like, what was she like planning? Like one, ten years down the track. What <laughs> do you think she's planning an end game here? She should be. We're in the end game now. <laughs> How old is Newt? Eleven? Yeah, ten, eleven. I think the plan here is to stay in this area. Hopefully, the aliens don't get her, and then hopefully, someone comes to get her. It's a nice interaction here with Ripley and Newt cleaning her up. Yeah, no, it is. We're introduced to Casey the doll. Will play a big part. Bishop investigating this face hugger. This is where you get these little seeds of doubt. This is exactly what Ash was doing in the first one. He's like, he's he seems uh, enamored by this creature. There's some great technology used in this film. In particular, the motion sensor. Continue. So they do set it up straight away when they get down here and start walking around. They are using these mi- mice, using these motion sensors, and they're you know tricked by the mice, but having movement there. I just think that the way later on when you see the aliens like f- start forming and circling around them, I thought it was very effective. I also like that all the colonizers had implants on them, and they can actually see where they all are. Yeah, they're like oh, they're all in this one place. <laughs> yeah, we might go investigate this, shall we? Let's go down there. I love how they're basically given almost 0% chance to, to win here, where they where Ripley basically tells them, you can't fire your weapons. You're right above the... I didn't like that, to be honest. Why? Because they fire their weapons later, and it's no issue at all. She's saying there might be a chance that could happen. It's not going to say, if you fire one bullet, that whole, the whole place is going to blow they up. They fire heaps. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Just adds to more tension. More of the odds stacked against them. No, but this whole set here really feels like they're, they're inside an alien. The way... It's all set up around set it. The design here is fantastic. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, Alien, you could say. I did. But this is where we see all the bodies hanging up here. Wasn't shown in the first Alien, was it? Unless you were watching the director's cut. Because we didn't watch that. And then we had um, Dallas up on the wall in the director's cut for Alien. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 
but this is our first watching of the 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 people up on the wall. Yeah, you even get the chestburster. Yeah, you even get the kill me, kill me. Yeah, that's right. But when the aliens start moving, it's incredible. The fact that they're on the wall. Yeah, and like you've been looking at them, and they start to come out. You're like, oh my god! I've been there the whole time waiting for them. They just wipe out half the Marines here. They're gone. The shit. Yeah, the, the ones you don't remember the names. Except for Apone. Apone's good. Poor guy. Yeah. All the rest of them, they're done. No, Ripley takes over the car because Gorman was doing nothing. He's useless. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention the Shawshank guy. One of the sisters. What's his name? There's a guy in this movie who's in Shawshank Redemption. He's got like the the twitchy eye. The blonde guy. Do you not know this? Enlighten me. He's one of the like guys who like rapes Andy. Okay. How could you not recognize him? Yeah, his name's Mark Rolston. I'm just surprised you didn't recognize him from Shawshank Redemption. I mean, you had to look him up to find his name. His name? But I knew him immediately as the Shawshank guy. That's not his name. May as well be. But yeah, shit hits the fan here. Apparently the alien screams are baboon shrieks altered in post-production. Nice, Mm. nice. Whatever works. I do love the good use of showing like the chaotic nature with the point of view cameras that they're watching on the screen. It's just just going everywhere. And you, all you hear is the noises and the, the the blood curdles, I guess, of everyone getting taken away. Hmm. Is the guy you're talking about the one who cops the face full of acid? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Even Hicks, when the alien is trying to get through to eat this, blows a hole through his the back very, of the skull. Very, like, 80s action. Yeah. Like, hold on, just wait, wait before yeah. dying so I can deliver my cool line. Yeah, it was a figurative and literal burn because of the acid. <laughs> <laughs> right. But no, they eventually get away. And Ripley wants to nuke the place from space. Good idea. What if there were more newts out there, though? Nuke them all. Newt them all? How is that funnier <laughs> than anything I've seen? Because <laughs> I did mine in like 0.5 of a second. You sit there and go, hold on, hold on. Didn't sound you scrunch, like it's- You scrunch your face up like, oh, yeah, I think I've got something here. Didn't sound all like right, it to me. Ready to go again? Yes, Hendo, I'm ready. Yeah, how about that literal burn? Hey, oh. <laughs> Because I'm trying to think of bad things to say. You're just like, hey, I'll say this is quite funny. Oh, no, it's not. No, it is. No, it's not funny. But the ship comes to pick him up. I love how there's just this little subtle hint of like the the sticky goo on the the rail when he comes in. Yeah, you want to hope it's an alien. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) But no, it's great that they get taken out inside the ship. Maybe not so smart from the alien though. I don't think he... Kamikaze aliens? don't think they understand that, though. They're just hunting. They're meant to be smart. Like, it's not like they've learned how to open doors. Wrong movie. Yeah, but they learn how to unlock doors. Turn the power off. They do something smart. The alien queen learns about elevators coming up. Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh, not a fan? I mean, all right, we'll get to it now. They can't fit in the a- in the elevator. They had to cut the tail off the, the puppet, the prop, whatever it is, and still they couldn't get it in. They had to take out a wall... Use lighting, black curtain. Okay. Very unrealistic, Hendo. <laughs> so unrealistic that they couldn't fit this alien in an elevator. Are you implying that aliens aren't real? Are you implying that this or alien? Answer that question. I don't know. I you, never. Th- I don't uh, think about that stuff. What? You think we're the only people alive anyway? Are you putting words in my mouth. <laughs> All right. Yep. Ship blows up. You get probably the most iconic line of the film here. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Yeah. And I've heard that line a lot. And it's very background, though. Like, it's just Hudson walking around the background yeah. of Alan and I think maybe Newt. And he's like, oh, what are we going to do? <laughs> this is Bill Paxton. Like, the, the character of Hudson really has come out at this point now. After the, the first alien attack, he is just, he's like, 
out of it. He's like, oh, we're so fucked. We're so fucked. And he's just so down. He's such a downer at this point. Yeah. And it's great that these Marines have personality. Yeah, well, they killed off all the randos. Yeah. But they decide to bunker down and wait for the new ship to arrive. Yeah, well, the aliens, you know, they mostly come out at night. Mostly. Mostly. I remember hearing that off South Park. Really? Yeah, I didn't know where it was from. From Aliens, Hendo. Yes, I know that. Now. This bit's good, though, when they say it'll be 17 days until someone realises they're missing and comes to find them. Surely there's... Is there any way with the the colony or any of the information, the technology they have there to send out a signal? Well, they must because it's not 17 days until someone's due to come. What I like about this moment, though, is I feel like this is when Ripley really starts to cement herself as a leader among the Marines as well. She starts telling Hudson what to do and she's like, listen, Newt survived without any weapons. We can do it. It definitely has a lot to do with the fact that these Marines didn't anticipate what was coming to them like she's seen all this before she kind of she thought this could happen the aliens can easily take them over and all these cocky marines coming oh yeah no worries no big deal now they've seen it they're like holy shit what the fuck do we do she asserts herself like this is what we're gonna do she takes the lead she Mm. takes the the big role here but we also see that loving mother side here when she's you know curled up with newt in the bed and she's taking care of her she's got the soft side yeah and it feels very genuine these two really does It definitely does take the character of Ripley to another level, giving her that softer side, matronly side. Really opens her character up from the first one. But we're getting a couple of not-so-subtle drops that Burke uh, has a lot more involved here than what he let on. Yeah, well, Bishop flat out says it. (laughs) Yeah, and Ripley confronts him about it. Mm. (laughs) And Burke's just like, listen, I made a bad call, I made a bad call. (laughs) It's like, you think? Yeah, no shit, mate. I love how they set up all these turret guns around the place with their motion sensors to just mow down. Apparently, this wasn't in the other version. No, it wasn't. These scenes are great. Yeah, watching them, watching them, watching the bullets go down. Yeah, and you know that, like, you're not seeing the aliens come through, but you know, wave after wave are coming. And then when it stops at Tanla, I really liked this scene. Yeah, they were really, really good. Surprised that was cut. It's very dramatic. But apparently, Bishop has to. Head over to the other part of the... Because of the bomb that's going to go off. Yeah, because the vent's not uh, venting enough. Because they shot the rifle and they were told not to. So Bishop, you know, he's the only one that can do this. Ripley's still a little concerned. Like, you're the android, I don't trust you. But she doesn't have a choice in the matter. He's got to go in. He's got to crawl through, you know, a tunnel of shit and come out a... Redeemed. A new man on the other side. An actual man. Yeah, that would would be a start. (laughs) What about this scene where... Hicks is showing Ripley how to work the gun. A little bit of chemistry here between these two. Yeah, I, d- I didn't really buy it to be honest. Yeah, I thought there was a, I thought there was a subtle enough part of it there where it's not felt, felt a bit forced. No, I don't think so. I think I do. I know you do, and I'm telling you, I don't. Okay, I feel like there's just enough here. It doesn't overload the story. There's no real romantic thing between them in here. Anyway, Ripley's back with Newt here, and she's in the the room there with the face huggers. And this is my excellent. Man, this scene just took this movie to another level for me. And we'd had a lot of build-up to this point. Like, it's not... It's a pretty slow movie in general. But when you get to this point, you're like, okay, here we go. When the facehugger first jumps at her, I jump. Yeah. And when she's on the ground and she's... And I'm just thinking, why wouldn't you just have your hands in front of your face? I forgot about the tail that suffocates you. Yep. So she starts, like, trying to pull it off. And then the best bit of this excellent... Is when you see Newt just so scared watching on, you're like, damn, like, what's Newt going to do? 
Didn't you see a second face hugger? Like come like the spider crawling <laughs> yeah. up. I was like, oh my god. It was really good. It is a great scene. It really is. And like it was unexpected for me. So, uh, nah, love this scene. What about when they're trying to get the attention of everyone else on the camera? Yeah, that was great as well. And you got shut Burke, off and it's dum dum dum. Burke is just like watching like, nope, I'm nope. just going to stand in front of the camera here. Because he wants he wants a sample to come back home. And what better way to get a sample is by having these two get impregnated by this alien. Yeah. And what's his plan is to put him in deep freeze, which yeah. would actually result in him killing the other Marines to do so with well, the pods. Yeah, you'd have to kill the others. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this guy is a... Bad, bad dude. Cares about the money. That's right. It's all about the money. Bert does the smart thing here. Sets sets the fire on the water sprays. The alarm system. The fire. The alarm. fire. The yeah. fire alarm. Yep. All the marines come in. Yep. This is this is good. Where they're trying they're trying to yeah. pull the the face huggers off Ripley, and they're waiting for the perfect time to shoot them, get them out of the way. That's good. Bert gets apprehended. I guess here they're ready to kill him. String him up. Hicks wants to. Ripley yep. says no. And then the power goes off. The emergency red light comes on, and this is where, you know, the danger, the danger is. And this is where you get the meters counting down, down on mm. this gun. And it's like, they're, they're sort of, they've barred this door, and you're like, okay, they must be on the other side of the door now. And Ripley's like, that's impossible. That's that's in and the room. Yeah, they're in the room, and then maybe it took them a little long, but that yeah. That shot where Hicks opens up the, yeah. the, the roof, and you see them just there. Holy shit, that scared the fuck out of me. And then the way they all, like, drop down from the roof yeah. then, and this great gunfight here, it's really good. And then one comes up from the bottom and takes Hudson. Love it how he... he uh he shoot, He keeps shooting. He keeps. He keeps going all the way until he dies. Doesn't. Doesn't freak out and you know scream. Mm. He Great takes death. him down. I think. What do you think of Burke's death? The off-camera kill as he runs away from everything. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I wish he got a bit more. He's the bad guy. He's the villain, and he gets killed off screen. I thought maybe the villain's the alien, really. No, they're they're kind of just in their protective nature here. He's actually he, Burke is actively trying to kill these people. And take back samples for money. I didn't mind it. He got what he deserved. Vasquez and Gorman, they they perish together here in a nice little touching moment. Really getting through these Marines now. Yeah, they're off of them. They're, they're done here. We've got to move on. Yeah, this whole action scene here, like the same with all the action scenes in this film. They're great. They are standout-ish and they work very well. Every single one. I agree. Especially from here. It really is just a lot of action now till the end. Bloody Newt falls down the vent. All she had to do, I was so close to getting out. Yeah, I thought she was going to die here. Luckily enough, she has the tracker on her that Ripley gave her that uh, oh. Hicks gave to Ripley. How good's this, though? Then she goes to find Newt. Like, there's like, Bishop says, you know, you got 15 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. This countdown starts. Ironically enough, it's actually 15 minutes total for the movie before it happens. Is it ironic? It is enough. It's ironic enough. Interestingly enough. Rarely enough. What? Well, because normally it's like, oh, you got 15 minutes and then two half minutes an hour later. later. Oh, I went the other way. <laughs> no, Newt in the water while they're trying to find her. Best shot of the movie. When the alien comes out of the water. That shot. Wow. Like, I watched that and I was like, holy shit. That is fantastic. That shot where she... Because you don't know there's an alien there. Like, so many times you got this motion thing that lets you know that there's trouble coming, mm. which is great for building tension. But in this moment, you've just got this girl, you know, like they're cutting through the thing and they're like, oh, just step back, you know, we're cutting through. And she's just waiting, innocent in the water. And you that rise out and you see those big, black, hard things from the alien back, the tail going, that sleek, beautiful head. Love you love that. the head. Oh, I love the head. But they head back to the ship where Bishop is. But Ripley, she's got to go get Newt. She's not, she's not leaving without her. 
He drops her off at the elevator and she heads down to find her. This whole sequence is fantastic. Having her roam like these alien-filled hallways with the tracker beeper constantly getting faster really amps up that tension more mm. and more as she's going around each corner like, holy shit, holy mm. shit. Mm. Yeah, it's all great. Even before that, when she's like getting her ammo together, strapping the guns together, yeah. man, that's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. But uh, she gets downstairs and she finds the tracking bracelet. By itself. And that's devastating. Yep. And then, of course, Newt screams. Yeah, which is the face hugger gets born. Yeah. Yep. But now we introduce to the alien queen. Which is my... Excellent! I love how... First off, you you hear earlier on in in the movie how they're like, okay, we understand how they continue to grow aliens here, but where does the egg initially come from? Exclusive to the special edition. Exactly. And when she comes into this room and you don't see the egg farm straight away she's she's hugging newt it's a close-up and you see her face like just drop like what the hell is she looking you're like what is she so freaked out about now and then just that snap cut to this surrounded by all these alien eggs and then you see this my god this this practical alien model uh giving birth to all these eggs like this is no cgi here this is all real real yeah fantastic design giving birth to eggs jesus christ (laughs) The whole situation is, it looks incredible and it looks horrifying. She's just stuck in the middle here like, what the hell does she do? She does the right thing here. She threatens those eggs with that flamethrower. Like, you see all the other aliens coming for her. And when she does that, the alien queen's like, back off. She gives the signal, get out of here, let her go. She makes the smart choice still, I reckon. When she leaves, she's like, no, fuck this. Like, we need to torch this shit. Destroys it all. Fantastic. I love this whole scene, the whole tension build up of where she is, the in, the first interaction she has with the alien queen here, how smart this alien interacts with her other aliens. I think this whole scene's great. Nice. No arguments from me there. So you like the elevator though? The elevator's fine. I didn't even notice it at the time. I bet you, you didn't even notice it at the time. Oh, I noticed. No, I don't think you did. Oh, I noticed. I, don't I was think like, you did there's at all. no way this alien's just... Get on the elevator. Press the right buttons. We're on the right level. We're waiting for a shot where he's just in the elevator with the music playing. (laughs) (laughs) Twiddling his alien thumbs. Uh, Butcher gets in the ship. They fly away. Oh, hold on. Let's let's not go past the fake out that Bishop has left them. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's great. That is the moment. You dirty bastard. Yeah, okay. There's the android doing the bad thing. No, he comes back. He's like, oh, I was just circling around. It was getting unsafe. It's like, cool. Cool, good stuff. I like that he didn't turn bad. I really did. I like how you see one of the landing pads go up into the ship, but you don't see the other ones because you need you need that little justification for how the alien managed to stay on. Hmm. They fly away, nuke the whole place. You know, I would have actually believed that this was the end of the film because I was starting to question, hey, that scene with the the load mover thing and the alien queen, I was like, that's not in some special edition only, is it? I'm like, <laughs> we haven't had that. I'm like, nah, it's too iconic. It must be coming still. <laughs> but yeah, they get back up to the station. What did you think of the bishop just bang, just getting like, nice. like destroyed? Through, yeah, stabbed through the middle. Give you a little jump? No. No? But you didn't see it coming? Nah. Oh, good. That's all right then. Didn't see it coming. No nah, way. That was great. That, just watching it getting torn apart, that was that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Even just Newt in the grates underneath with the alien queen just like ripping the grates off and then like the, the yeah. claw coming down. It's good. It's all great here. It's 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 just, it's it's tense. It is incredibly tense here. But the door comes up. You get the mechanical sounds of Ripley in the deloader. Get away from her, you bitch. Do you think that's the more iconic line? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did you say it was? I, I, Game over. No, no, 
No, no, no. It's definitely get away from her, you bitch. And this fight is fantastic with her and the alien. It's like slow motion fight. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> You're moving your hands like nothing. <laughs> it's very slow. That's good. Let me slowly move this mechanical arm. Your move, your move, <laughs> your move is a little slap. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, Ripley gets rid of the alien queen the only way she knows how. Opening vents. Exactly the same ending to the first movie. That's fine. That's going to do it. Yeah, they head into hypersleep once again and move on to Alien 3. Alien Cubed? Isn't that a 4? No. I don't know. I don't think this is the time for that discussion. Because the squared is 2. I think Cubed is 3. Because you're adding another dimension. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Anyway. Any last words? All right, Dean, what is your final thoughts on Aliens? Yeah, loads of fun. I love that this movie really does become a great action movie. Now, I had seen this years ago, and on Letterboxd, I gave it three stars. So I went in with pretty mediocre expectations. And I was sort of like, I was keen to see it and see like... Maybe this time I'll see what everyone else seems to. And I definitely saw parts of it. Thought Ripley was great. The team's great. Like, they don't get huge amounts of screen time, but they're very enjoyable when they're on on screen. The start was a bit slow for me. There's no doubt about that. But the ending action half, basically, is so well done. Like, it's... It's just explosion after explosion. You got the, all these cool gunfights, characters, you know, having journeys and Ripley's relationship with Newt obviously is great. But the design of the alien queen, this whole like meta next level alien, oh, so good. So good. We used to have toys of them when we were kids. They had like giant wings. Yeah. And I never knew that in the movie it didn't have wings. I was looking for the wings. You're waiting for it to fly. I was looking for wings. There's no <laughs> wings. Um, but no, it's great film. I'm going to give it four stars. Cool. Okay. What about you, Hendo? I love this film. This film is so great. I haven't watched it in so very long, so it was so good to come back and revisit this film. I mean, James Cameron. This is this is James Cameron. He, he knows what to do with these sort of action films. He comes in here and changes the genre on us to this amazing action film. Like, the not just how awesome the action is, but the characters that he sets up here. Turns Ripley into this ultimate badass all the Marines here, their chemistry works so well with each other. Once it gets down to the, the few Marines, they're still great as well. They all have their own little bits and pieces along the way. Bill Paxton you know, stands out here. The practical effects in this film are just sensational. They hold up to this day better than most films that come out. The look of the film is very stylish in this blue, grim kind of way. The Alien Queen design is off the charts in this film. I... I, I have very little faults with this film. I could easily watch this. This is not... I don't think the first half or the first third is slow at all. I think it sets it up quite well. What they're going to do, it doesn't meander. I think this is a fantastic film. It's four and a half stars for me. Very good. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where's this going to sit on your rankings? All right, let's start by looking at Toy Story 3. I do think it is better than Toy Story 3. Next up, against Catch Me If You Can, definitely better than Catch Me If You Can. Now we're up to Mad Max Fury Road, and I do think it is better than Mad Max. Then we hit Django Unchained. Again, better. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Better than that. Ooh, getting a four-star run here, are we? 
It's getting a pretty decent run here. Now, the highest ranked four-star film for me at the moment is Logan, and that's where it's going to stop. I think Logan's better than Aliens, so Aliens is my new number 22. Okay. Well, I'm going to start at the number 23 spot. I'm going to bypass a lot of these other four-and-a-half-star films. I'm going to get to Alien. See how that compares after I've watched this again recently. I still stand by. I think Aliens is better than Alien. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Just in case that wasn't clear. No, f- we gave Alien three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So Aliens definitely better than Alien. Yeah. Hits The Shining next. And Aliens is better than The Shining. I also think it's better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And then it hits uh, Donnie Darko at number 20. And I think Aliens is better than Donnie Darko. Moving on to number 19, which is Groundhog Day. And that's where I was going to stop. Yes. <laughs> So, Aliens is my new number 20 out of 49. 49 films, Dean. We're almost a fifth of the way there. Almost there. All right, it's time for this week's podcast promo shout-out, and it's from our good buddies, Andy and Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast. We had Gerald on a little while ago for a Pod V Pod. Now, it's another great movie podcast out there. They, it is. Yeah, they do awesome top five lists. You know we love a top five list, Dean, so how can you not love another one where... They go through a whole different variety of topics, not just movies, but also TV shows, music. So a good variety there that you can definitely get into. Yeah, a lot of variety that you can't get here. Exactly. So we'll play their promo now. Check them out and we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? This is Gerald and my buddy right across from me as always. Andy. We are Two Peas on a Podcast and we want to invite you to join us weekly as we discuss. What do we talk about? We talk about a little bit of everything. We I mean, do. We talk about too much. Events, we talk about too politics, much politics, sports. We, we talk, even talk about sports. We're dudes. We yeah, talk we talk about, about too much stuff. In fact, don't join us. It's too, much, <laughs> it's too complicated. I think you're confusing uh, them, Gerald. <laughs> we are a weekly podcast discussing current events, pop culture, hot topics. Hot. The topics uh, are hot. Not the retail store. Just uh, Hot Topics. Well, oh, I used to anything, love, That was a great story. If anything happened at Hot Topic, we would discuss that as well. You want to get your black Metallica shirt and some studded earrings? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. But yeah. uh, my name is Gerald and my buddy Andy, and you can catch us on Two Peas on a Podcast. Please go to our website. It's twopeasonapod.com. Check it out. Check us out on Twitter at Two Peas on a Pod and subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. We hope to hear you listening. Is that, we can't, we can't <laughs> yes. do that, though, can we? No, we can do it. We can hear them listening. Uh, <laughs> we, we hope to see that you listen via yes. our stats or whatever. We're everywhere. Uh, but check us out. Two peas right. on a podcast, guys. Hey, listeners. We just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie-related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there, and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful for Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site and it's got this great app with it as well. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode that you're watching and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. Amazing. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash imdbjourney, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash imdbjourney, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterbox.com slash dino underscore j. 88 really rolls off the tongue and you can find hendo at letterbox.com slash hendo exactly another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on itunes for us we've actually got a new review this week and it comes from nick from chester england he says came across this pod after searching imdb as currently working through the 250 myself as a personal challenge i'm really enjoying listening through the archives whilst watching the movies myself The podcast is really fun and interesting. It's refreshing to have two lads talking film without the pretentiousness that sometimes comes with the genre of podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. 
Yeah, we are a lot of things. We're not pretentious, though. Absolutely not. I'll be all like, pretentious? <laughs> Moi. Do you know what that's from? Rushmore? Faulty Towers. You lose. I feel like it's from Rushmore, too. Well, then they stole it from <laughs> Faulty Towers. <laughs> or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on a top 250 list. Yeah, we've actually got over 50 episodes on there now. We've gone through some notable directors' filmographies, such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. That's right, there's also tons of other benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put up on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, we've already gone through the nominees for the Best Picture of 2008 at the Oscars, and we're up to the Best Picture winner, Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, this is a film that I saw at the cinemas, loved it. Maybe I watched it again. I don't know. I've definitely seen it twice. I'm keen to watch it. Now, this is a top 250 film, so this will be a full-fledged breakdown, which we'll be putting down to our dollar tier level for anyone who wants to join up there. You'll also get our full-on breakdown of Pulp Fiction, along with a couple of other extras, including Batman Mask of the Phantasm and Sideways. Damn, they get Pulp Fiction for a dollar. That's right. That's crazy. Can't disagree with you, mate. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. Right, then it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. And let's start off with some reviews over on Twitter. First one from the guy who picked the film, Paul from the Countdown Podcast. Perhaps the greatest sequel sci-fi action film of all time. James Cameron took an already amazing film and improved upon it. Game over, man. Next up from LJ Human. This is a film I should have received when my idiot father brought back the Alien VHS from Woolworths. Iconic scene after iconic scene. Visually rich, immensely quotable, great pacing, and an android that's not an arsehole. Don't get me started on the special edition. Because of how great it is? Oh, I have to say yes. Next up from Jedi Scum. One of the best movie sequels to this day, and it was completely badass. Over on Patreon, Ben Mulverhill says there's two types of people in the world. People who prefer Alien and people who prefer Aliens. Aliens is a truly great film, but it's not the masterpiece Alien is. (sighs) Have to disagree with you there, Ben. And our last one on Patreon from the Roughhouse Podcast. Jim Cameron forgoes the tense horror for balls-out 80s action extravagance, and it works wonderfully. Ripley goes from the smartest survivor to the most badass and sets the stage for film heroines for ages to come. If you're not a fan, game over, man. Thank you very much, everyone, for your responses, but of course we've got... You know, there was always this debate whether Alien or Aliens was a better movie, and I think mostly everyone thought Aliens was better. But I found myself making a case for Alien. This would be when the movies were still new to me, meaning I hadn't seen them a million times. Anyway, in 2019, Alien has aged horribly and is mostly a boring movie. Jesus. I mean, it's just too slow to stay awake to. What is this, me writing this? (laughs) But Aliens is surprisingly still pretty good. The films actually couldn't be more apart from one another. I mean, one could not have Aliens in it, Shane. Aliens is a big-budget, major studio production with a properly written script with semi-fleshed-out characters and actual dialogue written for the scenes of the film. I always thought of Alien as a horror movie and Aliens as a sci-fi action. A bit like how Terminator is horror and Terminator 2 is an action movie. But Aliens actually keeps a lot of the horror and intensity from the first movie. I found plenty of parts in this scary. 
I also like Aliens more than Alien now because whenever I think of Alien, it's really easy to sum up the plot. First half, nothing happens. Second half, they die one by one. With Aliens, I just forget what's going to happen, which is good. Now about the Queen Alien. Isn't she a lot of woman? <laughs> Tickle your fancy, does she, Shane? <laughs> Critically speaking, Aliens is shot in this misty, hazy light, and while the characters move around a lot, they're always in some underground metal floor bunker with a million lights and text-based computers. And of course, this is just a dumb action movie, albeit a good one, but certainly not worthy of the IMDb list. Good movie, but overrated. Three and a half stars. Thank you very much, Shane, for that review. Thanks, Shane. I mate, time for... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, what is your favourite superior sequel? Alright, let's take a look at some responses on Twitter. First one from Amy Smith. Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Pirate Scott says Aliens. Ellie Axoy says The Raid 2. Good Times, Great Movies says Evil Dead 2. Shane Beauregard goes for The Colour of Money. A Scorsese film, I always forget that. Is it? Yeah. Well, colour me surprised. God damn it. (laughs) Still Meadow says Toy Story 2. Although Lethal Weapon 2 is close. Insoxicated 99 says Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Broovies with Matt says The Dark Knight. Sarah goes for Before Sunset. Nice. The Frenchie goes with Mad Max 2. Nerd Kings going with the one we've done today, Aliens. Bradley Fisher, Die Hard 2. Die Harder. Better than Die Hard. That's interesting. Hot take. JD says Batman Returns? Question mark? Doesn't look like he's sure of Eddie's choice. Nothing wrong with that choice. Le Penze de Bat Boy says Batman vs. Superman. Nice. I think I'm going to hear about that movie later on. Out of Touchstone says Step Up is mediocre. Step Up 2 is amazing. Crombopulous Michael Turner says The Wrath of Khan. Jacques Davies says Lord of the Rings is my favourite film trilogy, so I'll go with The Two Towers. And last one on Twitter here from Chris Jarrett, Cocoon. Looking over on our Facebook page from Reese McKenzie. Tough question. Ultimately, it's a boxing match between Terminator 2 and Aliens. I'll let you be the judge. Pretty sure a Terminator would kill an Aliens, considering Vasquez killed one with a handgun. (laughs) I would have thought, like, the acid would just, like, melt away the endoskeleton. Yeah, but, you know, they just come back now. That's good. That's pretty much spot on there. Ah, what do we got? Clint Chafee says the Dark Knight is just ahead of T2. Rob Manafield says the Empire Strikes Back. Josephine Olnitz says Blade Runner 2049. And our last one here from Michelle Jane. Magic Mike XXL. The first one was just so shit, and the second one just took the piss, and it was great. And looking over on our Patreon, Brother Shane says Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. What the fuck? This is crazy. What, the... He thinks Chamber of Secrets is better than Philosopher's Stone, or that this is the one he chooses. This is the one. This is the best Come sequel. On. Come on. Ah, uh, Jay says Spider-Man 2. Julio the Contrarian says Spider-Man 2 was the first to come to mind, and you know what? It's probably the right answer. And lastly here from Hayden Gerloff, tough choice. My personal favourite would be Raid 2, a deeper storyline than the first with more fun characters, coupled with some amazing, varied action sequences. Yeah, there is... Quite a number of different ways they threw some punches in that film. A th- truly a sight to behold. Not a big Raid fan, are you, friend? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But, Dean, it's time to get to our top five superior sequels. All right, mate, let's start with you. What is your number five? My number five is Star Wars. Episode two. No, nah, not really. Um, Empire Strikes Back. Fair enough. What is your number five? Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Nice. That is actually my number four. Oh, look at that. Yeah. 
wonder how many crossovers we're going to have here. My number four is The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> so we're on a roll here at the moment. All right, my number three is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Interesting. My number three is The Godfather Part 2. Hmm. My number two, Kill Bill Volume 2. Fair enough. You still classify those as two different films. I kept Kill Bill Volume 2 off the list because it's just one big film for me now. You are so high and mighty. Pretentious, you might say. <laughs> My number two is The Dark Knight. Ah, yes. Not well, on your list. Not as good as Batman Begins. My number one, The Godfather Part 2. And my number one is Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Da-dum-dum-dum-dum. Nice. So is that four? Four out of five? Yes. What is wrong with us? <laughs> That's pathetic. <laughs> Every single time. Oh, dear. I, I don't think there's ever been a time where any of our top fives have had less than two. Like, two or less. Really? Yeah. That's sad, man. Surely that's not right. I two. Mean, from memory. Wow. All right, Dean, next week is a random question, so pick a number between 1 and 50, and we'll see what we're going to go with. All right, I'll take 36. Well, this is a little different. We are not going to be talking about specific films. We're going to be talking about what is your favorite car chase in I'm a gonna, film. I'm going to see if I can get all five of mine from the same movie. Maybe we should stipulate <laughs> <laughs> one chase per movie. How dare you ruin my list? Maybe we, would get, maybe we won't have so many crossovers this time. Man, I really hope so. This will be an interesting one. We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of our Pod v Pod 29 movie draft between us and Chris and Marty from the Rough House podcast in our draft on heist films. Now, this go around, we were team one and we drafted Inception, The Usual Suspects, the awesome heist film Die Hard. <laughs> it is. I know, I'm agreeing. Snatch and Heat. And the Rough House podcast was team two and they had Ocean's Eleven, Baby Driver, Reservoir Dogs, Logan Lackey, great film, and Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And why don't we have a look at some comments? TV Worth Watching says, The usual suspects in itself could take on all the films in Team Roughhouse. The rest are just fillers. Go, IMDb Journey. Paul at the Canton Podcast says, Team IMDb stole most of the great picks out from under Team Roughhouse and they never even realised. <laughs> Paul from Film Busters says, Despite Reservoir Dogs being my all-time favourite film, Team IMDb Journey is a definite win. Those are some strong contenders. Spinning tops, caravans, and hockey masks. Boy, what is he talking about? Spinning tops for Inception, caravans for Snatch, hockey masks for Heat. Jesus, do you not even remember your own draft? <laughs> I was like, uh, it's very random, but okay. The Movie Drone Podcast says, Team IMDB is the strongest mainly due to the inclusion of the god-awful baby driver in Team Roughhouse. Good job, Team IMDB, for leaving that out. Trivial Theatre says, Team Roughhouse, three of my faves are in there. Ghost of the Stratosphere says, Die Hard is less of a heist film than it is a Christmas film. Disqualified. Team Roughhouse wins. Obviously, I disagree with you. Justin Jones says, Team IMDB for picking Heat and Snatch. Although Reservoir Dogs is one of my favourite films. Korean Movies says, My God, did Team IMDB get the first five picks? <laughs> That's a great comment. B Dizzle at the We Watched a Thing podcast says, Team IMDB Journey is just too strong for this to even warrant a poll this time. Team Roughhouse has three out of five good films. Ooh, that's high praise. And our last little interaction here, Julio the Contrarians, he's going with his, uh, his blind faith here. Team 2 is clearly picking with their heart, so it can't be Daniel and Dean. <laughs> we are so uh, exact and precise with our draft, isn't it, Dean? Yes. And lastly, from Dan at the Netflix and Swill podcast, I haven't seen something this one-sided since someone picked Cloud Atlas first overall. Oh, shit. <laughs> But let's take a look at the results here. 105 votes later, 
and it's a slaughterhouse. We win 78% to 22%. Smashed them. We're back. <laughs> now, thank you very much, Chris and Marty, for coming on and giving us a good battle. It does mean we end up in a 1-1-1 tie, but it's better than a loss, isn't it, Dean? Absolutely, Endo. At least this way, we're all losers. So negative. <laughs> like glass half empty. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the first eight matches in the final 32 of our best 2000s film tournament. First match here, The Dark Knight against No Country for Old Men. Hmm. Unlucky No Country for Old Men, eh? Calling it already, are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have Before Sunset up against Inglorious Bastards. The number eight seed, Gladiator, takes on the number 25 seed, Howl's Moving Castle. Number nine, The Departed takes on number 41, Million Dollar Baby. Look at this for a matchup. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers against My Father and My Son. Number 13, Wally up against number 45, Monsters Inc. Ooh, Battle of the Pixar. Wonder what's going to win there. City of God against The Secret in Their Eyes. Mm. And lastly, The Lives of Others, number 12, up against number 21's Amelie. Okay, a couple of good matches there. We'll see which films are going to make it into the round of 16. So... What's next? All right, Dean, it's time to find out what awesome patron brother Shane has chosen for us to break down next time. What has he gone with, mate? He's gone with L.A. Confidential. Ooh, L.A. Confidential. It's a dense film. Definitely. Haven't seen it in a while. I think I've seen it maybe three times, perhaps? Probably ten, yep. Ooh, ten. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's brother Shane's pick. I imagine you've seen it a fair few times. What does that mean to me? It means you grew up with him, and if he's picking it, it's one of his favourites, so surely you would have watched it a bunch of times. Maybe I watched it once with him. Maybe. I don't believe you. I think I might hear from the source. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll let us <laughs> oh, know. Oh, me and Dean, we used to bunker up every night and slap <laughs> well, on the LA was, Confidential it DVD. It was a Tuesday and uh, <laughs> we just had some uh, pork chops for dinner and I thought it would be a good time to watch LA Confidential. No, pretty sure once. The first time I saw it, I would have watched it with him, then never again. Is my prediction. Shane, prove me wrong. All right, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode. Now, next week, it is Pod v Pod Triple X. Pod v Pod 30. And we're going with... Daniel versus Dean this time around. It's our fourth edition of Daniel versus Dean. And anyone who listened to the last episode knows how much we have a disdain for the quotes game. (laughs) That game sucks. It doesn't work. It doesn't. It's too hard. And it's so hard coming up with quotes that are potentially gettable, which we will later find out are no way near possible to get. So for this edition of Pod v Pod, Daniel versus Dean, we're asking you the listeners to give us some new games to trial. We'll do a rotation of all different new games that we'll play against each other. We're going to have awesome patron brother Shane be giving us the questions for each of these games. Nice. And we'll see which ones work and which ones don't. Maybe even getting our Povipods in the future on a rotation of different games as we go along. This is going to be fun. It's always fun when we have a battle between each other, especially when we've got some new games coming up. Yes. New would be good, Hendo. New would be good for you. That would mean you'd win for a change. I've beaten you once. Ooh, once. More than once? Once. I think it's more than once. I think it's just once. Mm. But that's for next week. So until then, thank you very much, listeners, and we will see you next week for Pod v Pod Triple X. Bye.